good morning. How are you this morning? Are you well? Would you joining me in welcoming our campuses right now? Everyone who's joining on us online today, we're so glad that you have chosen to make Celebration Church your Sunday morning experience. Thank you for being with us this morning. So what an amazing weekend we had across the church at Shine this weekend. Do I have any Shine people? Shine. What an amazing weekend, and um, I'm so excited. First of all, I just wanna thank everybody who volunteered. So many volunteers go into, put hours of love and hard work into making something like that happen. So thank you, thank you. Join, let's give them a hand because they deserve so much thanks. Thank you very much. Can never be what it is without you. And also, I just wanna remind you that today only, we're closing it tonight at midnight, you can register for 2015 for only $55. So let me tell you about 2015. It's gonna be incredible. Our keynote speaker is Beth Moore. So if you know Beth Moore, you know what an, what a, what, how incredible it is that she's coming to speak at Shine. We've shortened the conference. It's gonna be Friday night and Saturday. This will make it easier. First of all, it'll make it more affordable. And secondly, it'll also make it easier for you to not have to take off work and for you to invite friends to come with you. We want you to be able to invite people. People who've come to Shine over the years say, oh, I really wanna invite my friends, but it's always so hard because they're thinking of taking a day off work. We wanna remove that barrier for you. So I know that, that we're gonna sell out really quick. And I really do want you to be able to come. So if I were you, I would buy at least two registrations because it's never going to be more affordable than it is today. And secondly, I know that Beth Moore sells out stadiums all over the world. And I want you to be able to have your seat and a seat for somebody that you love. So let's make sure we take care of that today. So if you're with us at Shine, then you know that our guest this morning, Charlotte Gamble, is a, a do not miss speaker. And I have come to love Charlotte in the very short amount of time that um, I've known her. She's an author. She's a mom. She's a pastor alongside her husband of a wonderful church in Bradford, England called Life Church that has campuses throughout England and Europe. And um, But more importantly than that, she is an incredible teacher of the word. And she is a builder and a lover of people. And I am 100% certain that you're gonna love her word today, that you're gonna be encouraged by it. So would you just do me a favor and stand up one more time wherever you at, and let's just give Charlotte Gamble the best celebration church welcome that we can. Hello, hello. How are you? I didn't say you could sit down. I'm serious. Sir, over there is getting real comfy. You're going to have to stand back up. Sorry, sir, in the blue shirt. Yes, you, my friend, over there in the aisle. You good? Let me just see the men are in the house. This is good. We're glad that you're back, guys. We had a great women's conference and I just have felt very at home, Pastor Kerry and the team around her and your musicians, your worship team are awesome. They've all just done a phenomenal job serving the house this weekend. And but, you know, like I said earlier to the service before this, you know, I am a local church girl. My passion is building the house of God. You know why? Because that's what God said, build. He said, build me the church. I'm going to return for a bride. I'm going to return for her and you need to build her well and you need to build her beautiful. You need to build her strong. You need to build her powerful. And we are that bride. The church is that bride. And so I love being with the chicks. That's awesome. But my bigger love, if I can be honest, is being with the church. 
because when the guys are in the house and us as guys and girls are together, we can really get some stuff happening. And so I say all that because I'm not here to entertain you. I didn't leave my kids and my church back home to come and kind of give you a nice message. I'm sorry if you came to church this morning for a nice, sweet, polite, British message. (laughs) You came to the wrong service. But I did come all this way to challenge, because I believe when you open the Word of God, it should challenge you, to maybe make you uncomfortable, because I believe when you are serving God right, you should always feel slightly uncomfortable. That his gospel is not one that should put you in your armchair with your slippers on. His gospel is one that should put you with your sneakers on getting about what he's called you to do. And so this morning, if you'll allow me, I would like to just preach to the church. And I'd just like to say some stuff that I prayerfully believe, if you'll grasp it, everything about the way you see church will change. So Father, I pray in these next few moments, with every campus leaning in, Every person in this room, no matter how together their life looks or how messy it looks, it really does not matter to you. God, you are able. You're able to turn anything around. You're able to break through the most difficult of circumstance. And God, because you're able, you have enabled us to be your church. And so God, I pray this morning that we would not sit and just kind of be on autopilot, but we would lean into your word today. God, I pray the prayer of the heart of this church this morning will be change me, Lord. Grow me, Lord. Show me, Lord. Teach me, Lord. God, I pray this morning that there would be just a sense of heaven kissing earth. In Jesus' name, amen. And amen. You may now take your seats. Thank you to my woolly stocking capped friend who's wearing a hat in Florida. You need to come to England where the hat would actually be of service to you. This is a joke. Your fall is a joke. There is nothing fall about your fall. This is summer, people. This is summer. You are spoiled brats and you need to be careful because I am praying if you are too spoiled, God will give me your weather in England and you can have ours for a while and then you're going to be really praying to God to bring the sunshine back. And then I just realized watching your church notices that, that you gain an hour. So there's an extra hour next week that you get in bed. Well, that extra hour is happening this weekend in England. So I just figured, hang on a minute. I'm losing an extra hour in bed back in England right now, and I'm leaving America this afternoon, so I'm losing the extra hour in bed in America, so God, you owe me an hour in bed, I'm just saying, because somewhere along the line, I need to catch that hour that you're all going to get to have an extra rest. But it's great to be here, and, uh, and we are going to delve into the Word. There's resources that are out. I think there's some left. There's a Bible study out there that you can take with DVDs. There's some uh, books out there that I've written, and you can get hold of those. But I want to open the Word this morning, and where we're going to jump off from, we're going to go on a little journey. And so hold on to your hats, because I might talk quite fast, because there's a lot of things I feel I want to say that God's asked me to say. But I'm going to start with a piece of Scripture that I think is actually a very fundamental and crucial piece of Scripture, 
for us to not just read once, but to come back and visit many times. Because what happens in this piece of scripture is that Jesus pulls together his team, his disciples, and he's kind of having a pep talk with them like you would with a team. He's like pulling the boys together and he's saying, I need to have your attention for a few moments because there's some things I want to say to you. And Jesus knew that his time with them in the way that they were used to having him around was over, that he would not be around to hold their hand, to kind of guide them in the way that they were used to. And so he's pulling the disciples together and he's saying, let me just boil this whole thing down. Let me just remind you what this whole thing is about. Let me just sum up what the last three years of public ministry that you have done with me is all about. Because what he didn't want to happen was that when he went, they would get sidetracked with lots of things that were not important and forget what was. And you know, as the church, we need to sometimes just stop as I'm going to do this morning, we just need to stop and, and we need a reminder about what this is all about. Why did you get out of bed this morning? Why did you come to church? Did your wife drag you here? Did you come because, you know, you feel like, God, I've not had a great week, so I need brownie points, you know, I need points in heaven. So I'm going to come and fill a chair for you on Sunday and hopefully that will give me grace for the week. Did you come out of guilt? Did you come because, you know, you think it's the right thing to do? You know, you need to ask yourself, why am I coming to church? Why am I here in church? Why am I part of the church? Because when you get the right why, you don't have to wonder ever again about the reason why you're getting out of bed. You don't need to be convinced. You don't need to be dragged because you've got it down to your core. This is why I come. This is why I serve. This is why I follow Christ. And he's having that conversation. And this morning, I want to remind you of why you're here. And Jesus says to the boys in Matthew 28, verse 18, he says this, Then Jesus came to them and he said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. In other words, Jesus was saying this whole thing, this whole ministry deal, it's all about those words, go. It's all about reach. It's all about make. It's all about find someone that does not know me and introduce them to me. It's all about go get disciples, train them up. It's all about take the gospel further. Take the answer of Christ to more needy people. That's what this whole thing's about. See, when Jesus called the disciples, their life looked very different. There was a group of the boys that were fishermen. And you know the story in the Bible that they are going out fishing that day like they normally did. And I don't know what you think about fishing. I'm not a fisherman. And so I have a theory about men and fishing. It's not going to be very popular, but here it goes. I think men fish because fish don't talk. I mean, they get on their boat and they disappear and they say, there's no cell phone reception where my boat was, honey. I did not get the 15 text messages about the errands you needed running today. I am so sorry. I mean, fish don't ask for an explanation. Fish don't nag. Fish don't want anything from you. And they were fishermen. So think about it. Their life looked like a life that was pretty calm and pretty tranquil. They would get up before everybody else got up. They would not have the children around their feet in the marketplace or the noise and the hustle and bustle of the town center. No, they were gone on their boat before any of that started to happen. They'd get in their boat early, early in the morning and they'd push away from the shore and they'd go out onto a tranquil lake and they would sit there and they would wait for the fish to bite. 
fact, the Bible says that some days they would sit there all day and all night and catch nothing. Question, what were they doing? Answer, having a man nap. You know, one of those things that's a mystery to every woman in this room, a man nap where a man says, I'm just going to have a nap. And then two seconds later, he is asleep and he cannot hear the children fighting, the doorbell ringing, the dog barking. But boy, when that game's about to start, boom, he wakes up under the anointing. What's that about? When we close our eyes, we can hear the children fighting, the doorbell ringing and the dog barking and we have to get up and sort it out, but not a man. I'll discuss that with God when I see him face to face. (laughs) But they're on their boat, so they're chilling out. They're waiting to catch fish. Jesus walks by their tranquil life and he says two words that changed everything. Follow me. No explanation, no details of where they were following him to. No job description. He didn't say, hey, boys, would you like to come to a recruitment drive that I am having? I'm only taking 12. Here's the application form. You might want to look at the small print because there's some things in there like stonings and beatings and persecution. But if you're good with all that, we're going to have a great old time. And, uh, and so, you know, fill it in fast. Get it back to me because I'm only taking 12. No, there was no explanation. There was no job description. Just two words, follow me. And so I don't know who on the boat said, let's do it. But somebody said, there's nothing else to do today. Let's give it a try. And literally on the back of two words, they began to follow him. They didn't know where they were going. They didn't know what they would bump into. But the next scene that he took them from, the Bible records, the next scene that they went to from their boat where they'd just been sat in tranquility, the next scene is found in Matthew 4, verse 23, because Jesus then took them straight from saying yes to following him. He says he then took them throughout Galilee, teaching in the synagogues, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom, healing every disease and sickness among the people. And news about him spread all over Syria and people brought to him all who were ill with various diseases. Those suffering severe pain, the demon possessed, those having seizures and the paralyzed and he healed them and large crowds gathered. In other words, Jesus took them from a sea of tranquility and the next scene was a sea of hurting humanity. Jesus took them from the calm of their life to the chaos of hurting people. And Jesus said, welcome to what it's all about. Welcome to the ministry. Welcome to being a disciple. It's called roll your sleeves up and help someone, heal someone, teach someone, reach someone, put together someone, help be minister to someone. You all have a job. There is no unemployment in the kingdom of God. There is nobody that in this room does not have a job. I, I, I get tired of people saying, well, it's the pastor's job. No, it's not the pastor's job. It's your job. If God is asking you to be his disciple, he has things for you to do too. He wants to use your hands and your feet. He wants to use your voice. He wants to use your wisdom. He wants to use your life to be his hands and feet. We are the church. Every single one of us is fully employed to be a disciple of Jesus Christ. The problem is that some people are missing in action. And so Jesus knew that when he first called them, he'd thrown them in at the deep end. And so as he's about to leave them, he's reminding them, don't you dare forget what this is all about. See, often in the Western world, what we've done is we've reduced this, this what I would call a great involvement that we're called to because we're called to be greatly involved. This great commission, this great involvement, we've reduced it to a great invitation And so in the church, we say, well, just invite someone. And I'm all about 
the invitation. I love a pretty invitation. Who doesn't like an invitation? But what I've understood is that an invitation is not enough. But invitations must have a traveling companion that goes with them called involvement. So that every time you invite, you are willing to get involved. Every time you say come, you are willing to stay. Every time you say come to God's house, you're willing to go to their house. Jesus said to Zacchaeus, come down from the tree. He invited him down from a tree, but they didn't stop there. He said, and I'm going to get involved and come to your house for my dinner. Said to the woman at the well, why don't you tell me? Why don't you talk to me? And he invited her after he got involved with her, after he'd had a conversation that no one else would have with her. Then he said, I can show you water that you can drink from where you'll never thirst again. Jesus always matched his invitation with a willingness to get involved. We drop leaflets, we say to people out there, you should come to church. But an invitation puts the responsibility on the people out there. But involvement puts the responsibility on the people in here. And that's why we prefer invitation. But we've got to realize that, you know what? It's our turn and it's our time to get involved with our community. The church should have a voice. The church should be heard. The church should be seen. The church should be visible. And the only way that's going to happen is not by a few people wearing themselves out to make him known. It's by every person that says they are a disciple of Jesus Christ getting involved where they live and where they work. I warned you before I got up this morning that I was not here to make you feel better. I was here to help us be better. I say all this because the best life you can have is an involved life. And I'm going to take us now to a story in the Bible that's a very famous story. It's a story, if you've been around church for any length of time, you will have heard in nursery, in Sunday school, you will have cut out the figures, you will have done the whole deal. It's the story of a miracle and it's the original jailhouse rock. It's where Elvis Presley was inspired for his song. It's the story of Paul and Silas that found themselves in a cell. And many of you will be so familiar with that story and you could probably tell the story for me. But I kind of want to take a different look at the story today because I'm not sure we've preached it entirely correct. I myself have preached many messages about how their singing was a release for their chains. But I actually want to add something to that today because I think their singing was important. I think it sustained them in a place where they were entrapped and they were imprisoned. But I'm not sure it was the release button for the miracle because what I don't want you to do is just begin to sing and not realize now there's something else that has to go with your singing for a miracle to happen. And actually, I believe what happened earlier that day is why God got involved later that day. And actually, the story of Paul and Silas in the prison cell is not the full story. It's actually the ending of the story. So to kind of understand what happened in the cell that evening, you have to go back to earlier in the day. And so this story starts in Acts 16, and I'm going to read it from the Message Bible because I like the way it puts it. Acts 16 is the story of what happened on that day earlier on with Paul and Silas. It says this, One day, on our way to the place of prayer, a slave girl ran into us. She was a psychic, and with her fortune-telling made a lot of money for the people who owned her. She started following Paul around, calling everyone's attention to us by yelling out, These men are working for the Most High God. They are laying out the road of salvation 
for you. And she did this for a number of days. Here's my helper, my slave girl. This is Abigail. She came all the way with me just for this moment. It's a big moment. It says that while they were on their way, so this is Paul and Silas, okay? These are like two superstar, amazing followers of Jesus. And what I love about the Bibles, it doesn't just tell us all the great things they do. It tells us some of the dumb stuff they do too, so we can all be greatly encouraged. So this is not a message of guilt or condemnation. It's a message to provoke us to become more like Jesus. This is Paul and Silas. And earlier that day, it says they were on their way to a place of prayer. Now that to me sounds spiritual, right? It sounds a good thing to be doing. Sounds like a noble activity that they would be on their way to a place of prayer. But here's what it says. It says, while they were on our way to a place of prayer, a slave girl ran boom into us. And here's what I want you to know. While we're all on our way, on our way to work, on our way to church, on our way to our team meeting, on our way to our small group, on our way to our ministry, on our way to youth, on our way to yet another meeting with the trustees, on our way to the supermarket or wherever you're going. While we're all on our way, here's what God does. God keeps putting people in your way. The question is, do you see them? And if you do see them, will you stop for them? They're on their way to a place of prayer and boom, they bang into her. It's not like they didn't see her. It's not like they, couldn't, they didn't know she was there. No, they knew she was there. But it goes on to tell us that they did not stop for the slave girl. In fact, it's like they completely ignored her because it says for the next few days, Paul and Silas just carried on going about their business while the chick, the bound up, the girl that's messed up and tormented, while this chick began to follow them around. And because she's a chick, she did not follow them around quietly. Oh no, she used her words. And she's following them and she's shouting, Hello, man of God. I think you know the way. Hello, you know the way to salvation. Hello, I wish you'd give me a little time because I'm really messed up. Hello, I know you're busy doing your Jesus thing. But I could do with a bit of Jesus right now. For several days, she followed them around. And they just carried on doing whatever it was that they were supposed to do. I wonder how many people are following you around doing the same thing. They might not have a physical rope around them that you can see with your natural eye, but they're wrapped up in depression. And the enemy is giving them thoughts that are about taking their own life. And he's got a little business going off the back of their depression and their suicidal thinking. And maybe they're wrapped up in adultery. Or they're wrapped up in debt and bankruptcy. Or they're wrapped up in despair and loneliness. And every day they follow your life around as you're on your way to the water cooler in the office that you've shared with that person that's wrapped up in depression for the last three years. They follow you to the water cooler and in their mind they're saying, I think that guy knows the way. I'm pretty sure he's a Christian. He always seems to be upbeat. He always seems to have a good report. He always seems to have a great weekend. His wife and him actually genuinely look happy. I think he might have some answers, but I don't even think he has time for me. 
He's always on his way somewhere. He's always on his way to church, all his ways to see his friends. He seems so busy, but I think he knows the way. The person that follows you in the schoolyard where you drop your kids off that says to herself, I think they know the way out of my eating disorder. I think they know the way out of the trap that I've found myself in. See, it's not that Paul did not know how to stop. Because just a few verses earlier, the Bible tells us that they were on their way to pray on another day. And on this day, they went by an area where there was some water and a watering area. And there was another woman there and she asked them to stop also. She called out to them and she said, I know you're on your way to pray, but would you stop by? Her name was Lydia. And on that particular day, Paul stopped for Lydia. In fact, he didn't just stop for Lydia, he got involved in Lydia's household. He went to her home and they stayed there and they got refreshment there. And I just wonder sometimes whether as the church we are selective stoppers. Because see, Lydia had a nice house and she had money and she had comfort on offer and she had food prepared. And, but the slave girl, I mean, if I stop for the slave girl, I mean, that just looks a whole heap of trouble. I mean, the slave girl looks like time and effort and counseling and, and demand and cost and it's just a mess and Lydia's are straightforward. I think what I'll do is I'll stop for the Lydia's and what I'll do is when I find a slave girl, I'll ring the pastoral team at church. I'll just transfer all the slave girls to that person there or that person there because they're kind of geared up for slave girls in their ministry. No, the same God that's in them is in you. And he didn't put her in their way. He put her in your way. And therefore God's asking you to stop. You to pray. You to reach out. How can we ever reach all the people we're called to reach if we keep transfer them to other people? God says, no, I'm asking you to stop. So this girl, she's gone for three days, still bound, still crying out, still walking behind them. And then I love how the Message Bible puts it because it says this. She did this for a number of days until Paul finally, everybody say finally. Finally. Today will be your finally moment, some of you. Finally. Listen to this next line. Fed up with her. Wasn't even spiritual. It was like, finally, there was a revelation from heaven. Paul helped the slave girl. Finally, he felt moved in his spirit. No, he was just absolutely fed up of this chick ruining his messages. And he was fed up of her shouting when he's trying to talk. And so finally, fed up with her. And listen, this one you need to hear. God does not care how you get there. He doesn't care if you get involved because you feel a revelation from the Holy Spirit, you should do something. Or you get involved because a chick from England with blonde hair came and said, do something. (laughs) He'll take either one. He just wants you to get involved. He just wants you to stop. He just wants you to be the church. He just wants you to remember what this is all about. So finally fed up with her, it says, Paul went to her and he said, in the name of Jesus, come out. And just like that, just like that, she was free. Behold, I show you. Behold, I show you why we don't want to get involved. Invitation won't do this to you. 
Because what happened next was what was on her began to come after them. What was troubling her, now she was free, began to try and trouble Paul and Silas. And all of a sudden, involvement begins to get your life entangled in things that are going to take your time, your energy, your money. And that's why the church would rather do a hit and run invitation than get involved. And so Paul and Silas, she walks away free. And then it goes on and it says this, here's the great news about involvement. Just like that, she was free. It was gone just like that. Verse 19, but when her owners saw that their lucrative little business was suddenly bankrupt, they went after Paul and Silas. They roughed them up and they dragged them into the market square. And then the police arrested them and pulled them into court with the accusation, these men are disturbing the peace. Dangerous Jewish agitators subverting our Roman law and order. And by this time, the crowd had turned into a restless mob out for their blood. Yay, for involvement. The judges went along with the mob and had Paul and Silas's clothes ripped off, ordered a public beating. After beating them black and blue, they threw them into jail, telling the jailkeeper to put them under heavy guard so there would be no chance of escape. And he did just that. He threw them into the maximum security cell in the jail and clamped leg irons on them. The reason they ended up in prison. The reason they ended up in chains was because earlier that day, they had released someone from a prison and they had released someone from their chains. And so the reason why God was going to get involved in the prison cell was because they had got involved earlier that day with somebody else's torment. The next line in that passage is about midnight. That's the line where we start the story. About midnight, they started to sing. About midnight, they started to praise. About midnight, God kicked in. But that is not the beginning of the story. That is the end of the story. That as they sat in prison, they both knew full well, we did what we were called to do. Now all we can do is let God do what he can do. And God began to shake that prison because he understood, you stepped in to loose someone's chains. I'm going to now loose yours, so sit tight. And God began to shake the prison cell. And all of a sudden, God got greatly involved because they got greatly involved. And not just their chains fell off, but a whole prison cell became liberated because of their obedience. See, we preach that, you know, well, a miracle's just going to drop out of heaven for no real reason. No, miracles have triggers. You want to see miracles in this church? You pull the trigger for them then. You want to see God do something in this house? You do something out there in your house. And you'll find that God will step in. God gets involved when we get involved. There's way too many churches that are whining and complaining. Critical of pastors, critical of programs, critical of buildings, critical of services. And you know why we are all that way? Because we've got too much time on our hands. But when you're dealing with slave girls, you ain't got no time to complain about anything. You're like, and over here, just doing the work of Jesus. Somebody, please help me out. You're not like, it's too cold, it's too hot, it's too loud, it's too quiet. I don't like this, I don't like that. You have no time. You're greatly involved. And when you're greatly involved, you just realize what matters and what does not. You realize what's important and what is not. And the church have got to get back to the place where they are so involved. They don't have time for the stuff that doesn't matter. And instead, we do what does matter. My kids watch a film. It's one of their favorite films to watch on and off. And it's an animated film. It's called Chicken Run. 
And in the film Chicken Run, there's a scene where the chicken is about to be put into a chicken pie. And when the chicken realizes its time is up, it's going to go to great chicken pie heaven. The chicken says something along these lines. Ooh, my life flashed before my eyes. And it was really boring. So help me, Jesus, that that is not what is said of the church, of your life, of my life. That if your life flashed before your eyes this evening, that it looks so tidy, so together, so organized, so what you would like, so, so thought through, that actually when you look at it, you go, good, tidy job, but I don't see any trace of involvement. I don't see anything that you're involved in that is actually doing what they did. See, when they undid the chains of that woman, it says all hell broke loose. All of a sudden, the owners of that woman were mad because their business was going to be bankrupt. They were making money off her imprisonment. They were making money off her misery. And you know, the enemy is making profit of people's loss out there. The enemy is making profit out of people's depression and suicidal thinking and addictions. And out there, he has a business going on. And you know, our job, like their job, is to bankrupt the enemy of his business. We're supposed to go and cause some trouble. And I'm just wondering whether it's time that you actually got some good trouble in your life. I mean, not the rubbish trouble. I mean, the good trouble. I mean, the trouble that says you actually did something and the enemy did not like it. Because I tell you, if your life's boring, it really shouldn't be. Some of you, you just need a whole dose of good trouble. You do. You need a shaking up in your life that just makes you realize, my gosh, this is what I'm called. This is the great adventure. This is the great involvement. This is the great commission. This is why I'm on the planet. This is what God gave his son so that I could experience. This is what it's all about. You've got to remind yourself. I'm going to ask the band to join me and I'm going to close with this story because I think this story really is where it all came home for me recently. About three years ago, Steve and I stepped up in a whole season of transition in the area of responsibility, my husband and I took on four churches and just a whole lot of stuff that I didn't even know we were gonna do. Our life was busy enough. But when God says do it, you go, okay. And so we were on our way to yet another meeting with trustees and team and planning and all the stuff that you get involved in when you're building church. And there's all kinds of things or financial things we were dealing with and different things that we were going through. And my husband said, I'm just going to go walk the dog before we go to yet another meeting. I said, fine, but don't be long. So he went to walk the dog and 20 minutes roll by and he's still not home. 40 minutes roll by and he's still not home. An hour and a half, two hours, and now I'm mad. I've had to ring the office three times to say, we are on our way, but I have no idea where my husband has gone. If there's been a rapture, could somebody tell me because I've been left behind. (laughs) Steve walks through the doors of our house and I says, where have you been? And he said, sit down. My husband never talks to me like that, so I knew I'd better sit down. He said, I was out walking the dog and he said, the dog took off down the hill. We have a big dog. And he said, I could see there was a smaller dog at the bottom of the hill. And I thought, I better go after Jake, our dog, because I don't want him to trouble this small dog. He said, I got down to the bottom of the hill. And he said, I went to grab Jake by the collar. And he said, there was an elderly gentleman that was standing with this small dog. And I knew 
clearly this was his dog. And he said, I just went to grab Jake and say, sorry. And he said, and I was just about to walk away. See, there's always that moment. There's always that moment where you get your Starbucks and you're just about to walk away. You're at the grocery counter and you're going to ask the deeper question, but you're just mindful of where you need to be. So you're just about to walk away. You know, if I just say one more thing in this conversation, it's going to go to a whole nother level of depth and I'm going to find out a whole load of stuff and I'm not sure I want to get involved. So, so you just begin to walk away. And as he's about to walk away, because he knows he needs to be somewhere, he felt the spirit of God say, don't you dare. So he said to this gentleman, hi, my name is Steve. He said, I'm Lawrence. He was about 75 years of age, looked pretty worn out, pretty disheveled. Steve said, Lawrence, are you okay? Lawrence looked straight back at my husband. He said, no, I'm not. He said, I'm just trying to clear my head. He said, I'm in a bit of a mess. He said, you know, my son, he's 36. He's back at the house just down the road. And he said, he's an addict and an alcoholic. And he said, he's given me an option. I either go buy him some alcohol or he's going to get in the car and he's going to go to the supplier, his dealer, and he's going to get a hit for himself. And he said, I don't don't know which to do. You know, without God, people have awful options. Do I just get him more booze to keep him in the house? Don't kill anyone behind a wheel? Or do I let him go to the dealer's house and may never see him again because he's going to take a high? He said, I'm just trying to figure out what to do. You know, I never thought this was what my life would look like at 75 with my 35-year-old son and My husband said, Lawrence, where are you going now? He said, I'm going home. My husband said, would you mind if I came with you? Lawrence said, you want to come to my house? He said, nobody comes to my house. My house is a mess. My husband said, well, if you wouldn't mind, I'm pretty thirsty. I'd love a cup of tea and I would love to come to your house. Lawrence said, okay then. All of a sudden this is happening sits down on Lawrence's couch and now goes up to see Lawrence's son. Lawrence becomes part of our family. My husband says, we've now got somebody that we need to look out for. We need to buy extra groceries. I'm going to swing by every Tuesday and every Thursday, Lawrence, and we're going to have coffee and we're going to talk. Every Tuesday and every Thursday, he would cancel his meetings and he would go. Never once did he make him come to church. He wanted Lawrence to know, I'm willing to come to your house, Lawrence, before I expect you to come to this one. It wasn't long after that that Steve said, we have a meeting, it's Tuesday night. If you want to come, you'd be more than welcome. It was a really wet and windy and cold Tuesday night and it was dark. And my husband said, I don't even know that he'll be there. My husband pulls up on the door in the pouring rain on the doorstep. is Lawrence with his hood and his jacket on and his alcoholic son next to him. They began a journey. Long story short, the first hand up in the appeal that weekend was Lawrence. And he's still part of our life and he's still part of our church and his son and the journey that they're on of restoration. Why? Because somebody stopped. And I tell you that story because Lawrence lives on every hill. He's in every neighborhood. He works in every target. He might not be 75. He might not be a man. It might be the single parent. It might be the successful businessman. It might be the lonely young person. It might be the person that's isolated and sits at home alone in her elderly years. I don't know what it looks like to you, but there are Lawrences everywhere. And God says, we're called to a great involvement. 
You all have a Lawrence to find. You all have a job to do. You all have a mission field to go out and be the answer on. And I did not come here to entertain you this weekend. I came here to provoke you and say, hey, the church must be the church. The church must get back to the place where he took the disciples and said, do you know what this is all about? This is all about getting involved. Yes, it will cost you. Yes, it will inconvenience you. Yes, it will mean that you have to change your social calendar and your plans for the weekend. But somebody once did that for you and that's why you're here today. Time's gone. I want us to stand to our feet. I want to close by two things. So please just hold on just a few seconds longer. Two things. Just eyes closed. If you're in this room today and you're saying, you know what? I've got so distracted with me, myself and I. I've got so distracted with where I'm on my way to. But God, today I sign up again for that great commission. I say, God, I want to be your disciple. I actually don't want to just fill a seat on Sunday. I want to be out on Monday. I want to make a difference this afternoon. If you're saying, God, here I am, send me all over again. I just want you to lift your hand up high. Come on all across the room. You know, I'm looking at pretty much every hand, which means if you really mean what you're saying now, if you really mean what you're saying now with that hand, do you know what? This church could double. If every one of you found a Lawrence, if every one of you visited, if every one of you cared, if every one of you made it your mission, the God's house would never be big enough. So keep your hand raised. And with your eyes shut, just see your own street, see your own neighborhood, see your own location. Father, I pray right now in the name of Jesus. Lord, you see every life in this room with a hand reaching high, say, God, I'm here. Do you see me today? I sign up again. Oh God, let me see the Lawrence. Let me not be so busy that I won't stop for the ones you put in my way. God, today these hearts are saying, here I am, Lord, use me. These hands are saying, here I am, God, use me. Our voices use our, voices use our, feet, use our hands. Let us be Jesus on our streets and in our communities and in our offices. God, I pray there will be an outpouring today of movement. God, I pray today there will be decision that would change the way we view our lives. God, I pray today we'd stop messing around with things that don't matter and get busy with the things that do. Oh God, I pray there would be an awakening in this room today that every single person would realize they are fully employed in the kingdom of God. All across the room, just lower your hands. Just keep your eyes closed just for a moment. Just ask him one more thing. If you're in this room this morning and you have never given your life to Jesus, maybe you've attended church, maybe somebody brought you, but you've never actually said, God, get involved in my life, get involved in my business, get involved with me. You know, if there was ever a picture of involvement, it was the cross. God said, it's not enough to invite them to come to know me. I'm sorry, son, but you're gonna have to go and you're gonna have to get involved and that's gonna look like nails in your hands and spear in your side and people mocking you and death on a cross. You're gonna have to get involved. He got involved for you so that you could be free. And if you're anywhere in this room today, you are the Lawrence in here I'm looking for. 
just as everyone else is just praying for you in this moment. If you say, that's me today, I want God involved in my life. Maybe you're away from God and today you need to come back home. Just stick your hand up high. Come on, time's gone. Just don't wait any longer. Just stick your hand up high and say, that's me today over here and over here. Come on, just stick your hand up high. You're saying, that's me today over here at the side and over here at the back. Come on, I need God today. I want Him involved in my life for the first time or you're coming back to Him down here in the center and over here and over here and over here. Just keep your hands raised. Father, you see these hands all across this room. And God, I pray today for every person reaching to you that they would feel a sense of you grabbing hold of them. I pray today that Lawrence's would come home, that salvation would be in this house, that a new beginning would be extended to every life reaching to you. God, we thank you for your grace and your saving mercy. God, we thank you for salvation today in the hearts and lives of these people as they say yes to you, Jesus. And all God's people said, amen. And amen. Love you. Go find your Lawrence. Thank you for joining us for this week's message. Our prayer is that it will help you to live a God-first life. For more information about Celebration Church and other available resources, please visit our website at www.celebration.org.